Generation of Kings. Second Samuel chapter 9 from verse 1 to 13. I will read that alone and then we'll go to Second Samuel. It's still there. Second Samuel chapter 4 verse 4. Mm -mm. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's, it's quite, yeah, I think it's better now. All right, I think it's better. Second Samuel chapter 9, you've taken something out of my sound. It's quite distracting on stage. I'm going to read alone from verse 1 through 12 or 13, and then we'll read Second Samuel chapter 4 verse 4 together were there all right thank you now david said is there still anyone who is left of the house of saul that i may show him kindness for jonathan's sake many of us know the story of david and jonathan and i'll touch on it shortly and there was a servant of the house of saul whose name was ziba so when they had called him to David, the king said to him, are you Ziba? He said, at your service. Then the king said, is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan who is, shout aloud, lame in his feet so the king said to him where is he and ziba said to the king indeed he is in the house of makar the son of amiel in lodebar then king david sent and brought him out of the house of Marker, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. Then David said, Mephibosheth? And he answered, here is your servant. Verse 7, so David said to him, do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. Then he bowed himself and said, what is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? Many people are saying, ah, but that's what many of us are doing in destiny when big opportunities and invitations appear. <laughs> when big ministry demands appear, when big invitations appear. Who am I? I'm a dead dog. I'm done for. I can't move. I'm lame. And the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given to your master's son all that belonged to Saul and to all his house. You therefore and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him, and he shall bring in the harvest, that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. Now Ziba had 15 sons. Strong man. Odogu. 
and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord the king has commanded the servants, so will your servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, you shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all who dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants of Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he ate continually at the king's table, and he was lame both in both his feet. Let's go to Second Samuel chapter 4 verse 4 so that we can understand how this came to be. Mephibosheth was not always lame. He became lame. I think the temperature is a little cold. I think so. So increase that because I can see a lot of people doing, wearing stuff and just, can you, yeah, just increase the temperature by like two degrees or so. Some people are even sleeping off. I saw somebody. Ah, you see, I know get for whom. You can enjoy it. You just increase it a little bit. Increase this as well. Those as well. Mephibosheth was not always lame. He was not born lame. Something happened. Something happened. Second Samuel chapter 4 verse 4. Let's read together the count of 3 to 1. You see, oh, right? All of a sudden, you can understand what's going on. Can I propose to you that almost everybody in here, in fact, everybody in here, in one way or the other, is Mephibosheth-ish. There is a part of your life, a part of your soul, that is, because in your spirit, if you're born again and you receive the life of Christ, you are not lame. You are not broken. You are not shattered in your spirit. But in the realm of your soul, there is a dimension that has been tampered with. Something that has been worked on the wrong way. Something that has been positioned, twisted, maybe manhandled, mishandled the wrong way. I want us to pray this morning and say, Lord, reveal me to me. Reveal the aspects, the areas of brokenness. Reveal them to me as your word comes this morning. Let there be light in my life. Let there be light in my life. I don't want to assume that I'm all that when I'm not really there yet. And help me Lord to embrace this dimension of vulnerability where I can be open to you it's time to praise not time to look where I can be open to you because everybody in the room has an issue everybody everybody in the room Zabokatia fumane komranina sabaj Zubalafia kabati sanabadash. 
Father Lord we receive the blanket of your glory and your spirit today and as we look into your word your Holy Spirit will expand it in our hearts in the name of Jesus Lord we ask that you will navigate and you will go into every crack and every crevice and the different areas where we have locked you out the different spaces that we have tried to handle by ourselves the different issues wounds pains hurts areas of infirmity that we have sought to fix by ourselves Lord we open the door today we receive the wind of your spirit we receive the intimate transformational encounter Lord I ask that even today you will bring to the fore things that were buried deep down and under things that were shut down in secret places things that fragmented our minds in some areas Bring them out, God. And let there be deep healing. Deep healing. Permanent healing. We will not dance around the wounds again. We will not build monuments around the wounds again. We will experience true transformation by your word. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Let your amen be loud and stronger. It's amazing when we look into the word and we grow up in church most of the time most of the time we are presented a Jesus that is an expert at healing bodies but then he does nothing to the soul in most of our churches we never with the churches we grew up in we never heard any message on emotional wholeness Did anybody ever hear that on abuse or assault we never heard anything like that but we always had healing meetings for physical healing wasn't that so so there are many people who have experienced physical healing or in some ways they've seen the, the workings of miracles in people's bodies. You've seen pains go, headaches gone, spinal injuries. Some of you have even seen body organs being replaced, legs being extended. You have seen that before. But we can't complete, we can't preach the whole counsel of God's word if all we do is to speak about Jesus being able to heal the body and we don't talk about him healing the soul. When Paul writes to the Thessalonian church, he said that he will present you wholly to himself, spirit, soul, and body. So Jesus didn't just die to recreate your spirit, he died to restore your soul. In Psalm 23, he says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Media walk with me as I'm citing the scriptures. Be going there quickly. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leaves me beside still waters. What does he do to my soul? Listen, he restores my soul. There are two key words there. Re and store. Every soul has a store. Every soul has a storage facility. A store is where you store things, where you keep things. There could be food material, could be food items. But how many of you know that in your store, even though it was a food store, you have other things in the store? Like what? Pots in the store. Give me some more. Food in the store, apart from food. Broom in the store. Come on now. What else do you have in the store? Plastic bowls in the store. Plates in the store. Mopping buckets. In the souvenirs, in the so I was there. Talk to me, mortar and pestle in the store, coolers from wedding parties, 
crate right in the store. Look at anybody and say, what's in the store of your soul? This is very important. Now, many times, what do we do? What do we keep in that store when we can't find any other place to put it? We put those things in the store. Old books, cotton, chocomilo, old milo teens. We put them where? In the store. So at the end of the day, instead of the store being a pantry just for food that can build up life, it now becomes a storage facility for stuff we don't want to use again. That is the condition of the souls of many believers. Where our souls are not nourished with the life-given streams of God, but they are filled with baggage, bitterness, regrets, stories from our past. And many of us, our stores are so clogged up that we have more junk than we have food. Oh, can we talk now? But one of the things that God is doing this week is that he's going to enter into your store. He's going to remove the cobweb, kill the spiders. He's going to remove the empty cans, the broken bottles, the mop sticks, the chopsticks. Oh, who am I speaking to? He's going to do spring cleaning. Says the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. He will restore your soul. For some of you, you used to be very confident as children. You won all the prizes. But as you got into your teenage years, you were not winning any prize except the ones from the rear. The Lord is going to restore your soul. You used to be very bodacious and audacious. But now you're, you're very nervous to even share about your faith in public. The Lord is restoring your soul. Restoring your soul. David understood that the good shepherd does not only fix the bodies of the sheep. He restores the soul of the sheep. Listen, you cannot outsource the restoration of your soul to somebody else. Because the person who can fix it the best is the person that made it. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 that God had formed man out of the, out of the dust of the earth. And he breathed into him and man became a living soul the creator of the soul is the one that can fix it it's the one that can fix it now when you look at the manifesto of jesus in isaiah chapter 61 where it says the spirit of the lord is upon me because he has anointed me give us isaiah chapter 61 he said he has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives, the open of the prison to those who are bound. Keep on going. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn, to console those who that means you can be in Zion and still be in mourning. You are accepted in the beloved, you are anointed, but your soul is broken. Can I tell you something? Some of the greatest, some of the most anointed preachers have a brokenness in their soul. And it's not new. It's from the Bible. Moses, great man of God, he parted the Red Sea, but he couldn't part his anger. Some of you wonder, how come a pastor did that? How come a pastor did this? How come a man of God did this? Because you can be anointed in the spirit, but you have issues in your soul. Oh, can we talk? 
Is he anointed? Yes. Are you disappointed? Yes. Because the anointing in the spirit had not fixed the fracture in his soul. And now he's the sole proprietor of pain. He says you can be in Zion and you are mourning. You can be in the place of joy, the place of celebration, the place of glory, the place of the anointing, the place of freshness, and you are still overwhelmed and burdened. You can hear a message that is so powerful. You know God is there, but there is still a part of you that feels that I didn't get the fullness of what God had for me. Am I speaking to somebody this morning? He says that he's coming to console those who mourn in Zion and to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they may be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. Go back to verse 1. Are you seeing that the first thing it says that the anointing to preach the good, good things, Titus to the poor, he sent me to heal not the broken body. That was not the first thing he prioritized. The broken hearted. Why? If your body is healed and your heart is broken, your broken heart will break your body again. I didn't ask you to clap, but if you really want to clap, can you clap without brokenness? This is very important. Because how do you explain that in Africa, at least in the last 30 years, in Africa, you've had the highest number of healed bodies. The blood group has changed. <laughs> but the patterns of the bloodline have not. Because the soul is broken and it repeats the decisions of those who invoke the curses. And so even though the believer is no longer under the curse, he's still stuck in the decision-making errors and protocols that generate the same deficiency in manifest reality that the curse generated by spiritual means. In Africa, we've had more blind eyes open than almost any other continent, maybe apart from South Africa and maybe parts of South America, maybe parts of Asia, depending on when you're measuring. But we have more blindness of the soul. How are we here? Eyes have been opened, but the eyes of the heart have not been enlightened. Do you not wonder, can I, can I show you something? In the letters of Paul, the letters that Paul wrote to the churches, what did it teach people more? How to open physical blind eyes or the enlightenment of the inner eyes? What was his priority? How to work miracles or how to outwork the divine life? What is the divine life? Are miracles important? Are miracles real? Did we hear testimonies of the miraculous today? Are we going to have more dangerous miracles? Will God walk miracles through your hands? Shout a bigger yes. yes. But what makes a man of God have a crusade with thousands of people and miracles happen? Yet that same night or later in the morning, he's sleeping with two or three girls. It's the brokenness of the soul. Oh, make the head usher. Usher part of the money into her account. 
<laughs> she was shining. Osha. Osha. This is important. Are you, are you following where I'm coming from? The brokenness of the soul. And it's amazing. We talk about Jesus healing your body, healing your, your nose, healing that. But Jesus said the reason the anointing came upon me is to preach good news to the poor and then do what? To heal the brokenhearted. Why? Out of the abundance of the heart, what happens? The mouth speaks. By the fruit of the lips, the life will be satisfied. Which means if you heal the heart, you can fix the body. Do you realize that some people who die in accidents die more from cardiac arrest before the impact? Fear can kill even before death shows up. There's a story, some of you might have heard it, about how a farmer was going out of the town, walking into another piece, farmland out of the village, and then he sees death going into the village and he says, death, what's up, what's going on? He said, I'm going to go and kill some people. <laughs> I said, I just think it's easier to start with me. Walked past. Eventually, before he knew it, death was back. In the, in the farmland. It's not death. What happened? You came back so quickly. It said yes. By the time I got there. Fear. I'd already killed them. The brokenness of the soul. And there are many people. Who learn to cope. With the hope. That nobody will catch their scope. We learn to live with it. In our text, we hear a story of a guy called guy called Mephibosheth. Try not to bite your tongue when you're pronouncing it. He is the son of Jonathan. Jonathan is the son of Saul. Saul was the self-appointed, well, the people appointed pap, king over Israel, the people's choice. <laughs> <laughs> Are you here? Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul. The Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 9, David said, Is there anybody left in the house of Saul? Now don't forget that everyone that God is going to use, the enemy will try to attack you early. Because a lot of the brokenness that we're experiencing in adulthood started in childhood. And the seed may not look like the fruit or the fruit may not look like the seed. So you look, you are very angry. That's the fruit. The seed was that you were ignored. And the only time they gave you attention was when you broke plates. So you learned to attach attention to anger. Oh, can I talk right now? And without knowing, it became a pattern of rewards in your life. Mephibosheth was not born lame. Who? 
As if you say you, you did there. But good, you're falling. Who said that all? I love it. What's not born lame? That's the way I am. That's the way I am. That no. You were not born that way. You may not have enough self-awareness to discover when it started. But every personality fracture and every soul brokenness has a start. There was a time it started. And many times within your first seven to nine years. In fact, many times between five and seven, as the brain begins to form its first states of self-realization, there are impressions that are being deposited. Oh, can we talk? Mephibosheth was born to the king. He was the king's grandson. But now he didn't look so grand even though he was a son. What happened? Second Samuel chapter 4 verse 4 says that the, the herd because bad news can fracture your soul. He heard. What did he hear? What did the, what did the nurse hear? That his father and his grandfather had died the same day in battle. Saul himself was traumatized. He couldn't take his head to his servant and kill me. Jonathan was killed in the battle. Are you, are you following this now? Father and grandfather died the same day. See, because when the enemy is attacking a lineage, he tries to cut everybody off. Who would have imagined that the self-suicide of Saul would lead to the lameness of his grandson? Something you are doing to harm yourself is setting up your grandchildren for failure. If Saul had been alive, if he had stayed alive, perhaps definitely would have lost the throne, but maybe he would have kept his son. Never prioritize your office over your family. You know how I know? Officially, God is God, but eternally, he's father. Father is not a company term, it's a family term. So God is more committed to family than organization. Ooh. You know what? If you're clapping, you can do it better. It's Father. Don't build a great organization and mess up your family. Sometimes that's also a result of unhealed wounds. You learn to only get recognition through the things you built and not who you were. This is the reason when the father, after some of you are still feeling a little somehow, you can stand if you feel somehow or lean against the wall or, or tiptoe or pick pain or something, whatever. Because <laughs> I can see. Do you have a thread? I need to attach it to my eyelid to touch this. I don't want to call names so people won't be traumatized. I'm trying to. <laughs> I'm trying to heal people. <laughs> when God the Father appears to his son or speaks to his son, he said this, he didn't say this, my beloved CEO. Yeah. Come on now. Yeah. He didn't say this, my best rabbi. This guy, do you preach? You dare preach? 
In fact, your name will reach because you reach everywhere. And you are a pastor. P. Rich. Preach. Watch this. He does not say, this is my beloved preacher. This is my beloved teacher. This is my beloved healer. This is my beloved evangelist. And this is my beloved son. Because the first thing the enemy attacks is family. Once he can affect who you are at home, you will struggle to find your place in the world. So he wounds the soul at home. He wounds the soul. Many of your struggles started at home or somebody with whom you felt at home. Yes. You had some trust and then you end up without the tea. With rust. Because they ate you like bread and put a C on the rust. Crust. Remove the C and the R. Dumped you in the dust. But thank God, even if you are in the dust, it's from the dust that God made man. A new hue is going to come out of it. So he's from a lineage. His father. Now, now, how do you how do you deal with that? Because for some of us, the trauma or the pain in our lives is that we don't look like our progenitors. Say, how can you say, Pastor Dami is your pastor and your life is like this? Say, see his life, see your life. Now, maybe nobody has said that to you, but maybe you've said that to yourself or the devil has said that to you. Can we talk? Say, your father is a lion. You, you are just using iron. Or for some of you, your father is a pastor, but if we look at your pastor, your presence, there's no more to present. Look at your future, it looks like common. Becomes like a rapper, so we can wrap it up. By chance, the rapper, who knows? So sometimes what happens is, Mephibosheth, how can you be lame? Don't forget who Saul is. Saul is the tallest man in Israel. Wow. He's the tallest man. The Bible says that he stood head above shoulders than any other person. Yet, when you look at Mephibosheth, he needs people to carry him. Some of us look like a far cry from where our fathers came. Oh, can I talk right now? Listen, some of you in the service, you might feel the urge to cry or will or wail. God wants to do deep healing because I want to bring out things that you've not, you've only thought about every now and again, but you've not worked on. God says, I want to get into that space. And you know how I know? I know that believers can shut the door against Jesus. Otherwise, Revelations 3.20 will not be a thing. When it says, behold, I stand at the door and knock, the Bible says it was speaking to a church. So you can be a believer, but you've closed the door of your soul to Jesus because it's too messy to confront yourself Yet God says, I've got to confront yourself and get you to see the you that is messed up so I can bring the you that is not messed up. Somebody shall fix it, Jesus. Before he fixes it, he's going to expose it. So grandfather tall, Mephibosheth, can't move. The grandfather and the father, they die 
the same day, the devil said, I'm going to wipe out this family. Go wipe out this family. There's a nurse who's trying. Look at that. Give us the text in, in Second uh, Samuel 4 4. The word says, When he was five years old, when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel, that his nurse took him up because for some of us, we didn't have any nurse at all. It's called neglect. We learned to nurse ourselves. But for some of us, we had the nurse. The Bible says the nurse took him up and fled. And it happened as she made haste to flee. That who fell. The Bible does not tell us that the nurse fell. The Bible tells us that Mephibosheth fell. Because some of us were in relationships where something happened. But we're the only ones that were wounded. And then when you brought up the matter, the other person was like, ah, why, what, what's going on? You dip in. Are you following what I'm saying? Now in this text, the nurse was not a molester. The nurse was not wicked. She had good intentions. Some of the brokenness, the hurts, the assaults, the irritation, the reaction of your mother against you. She was not wicked, but she was broken herself. And so when she was crying, what's crying? When she was singing her body. What did the pepper her? Who did she put the pepper on? Guess where it landed? In your eyes. So I read, but you know the sea clear. Oh, he laughed. That's amazing. We celebrate you. Are you here now? Are you seeing the picture? When your father said, leave me alone. Stop asking me for money like a witch. You bought your boss a gift and said, please leave with your poverty mindset. The impact of those words seeped into your soul and like an empty Milo tin, you locked it in the store. Oh, can we talk? You went to your uncle's house to go and play. Uncle said, come and sit on my lap. Lap call la palapani. From there, that happened, this happened, that happened. Touch me here, hold me here. Do you like it? Your innocent mind didn't even know what was happening because your brain had not fully formed to distinguish between guess what happened as you were growing it was growing with you because it was unaddressed I once counseled somebody many years ago. She said to me, my children are my father's children. My 20-something-year-old mind was bastardized that I didn't understand. So my father slept with me so much. I had two children for him. At the time, she was in her 20s. dealt with cases where somebody is sleeping with mother and daughter. Now, let me tell you what. 
sometimes when we deal with things like this, we speak only about the, the people who are victims or survivors, but there are also people in our churches that are the ones doing it. So we speak about healing from rape, but how about healing the rapist after sending him to jail? If, if, we can get, if we can get the Lord to do what they should do. Hardly will you find that in the law because it's, it's hard to prove a rape case. So it's du- double jeopardy. The victim then suffers the assault and then suffers the insult of not being believed. This is not a far cry. We're dealing with things that are in this house. Are you here now? So sometimes what happens is that what happens. Help me. Thank you. Thank you. What happened is the nurse was trying to take him up. The nurse was really trying to help. Was trying to help. But then the help ended up with yelp. He fell. The word says, and as she made haste to flee, that he fell and became, I was not always this limb. Something happened to me. I fell somewhere. I wasn't this cold and apathetic in prayer. If you had heard me praying as a 21-year-old, I was roaring and fire was coming out, but I fell. Fell in the wrong hands, fell in the wrong place, fell in the wrong church. Where they were all concerned about my gift, but they didn't care about my soul. I hope you know that capitalism has entered many ministries. Where as long as your gift is servicing the service, they don't really care what's going on in your life. So when you have great leaders like you have in this house who, are, who ask you questions, what's going on, how are you, how is your health? We're not trying to be invasive because I know for some people it can be very disenchanting. Ah, why is this pastor so caring? Please, I don't use care. I'm not Sorrento. <laughs> it can be disarming. But that's the love of Jesus, isn't it? You can't even say, where did you fall? Sample fell in childhood. You lived with your cousins, your cousins <laughs> turned into a cousin, hanky panky. Let's play daddy and mommy. Start sticking things into your body. So now you're 26 and you're buying a dildo. And you can't even tell anybody. Nobody even knows except this preacher, right? And you're wondering, why can't I stop using a dildo? Because they put crayon there first. (laughs) Can I talk? 
as for some of you, you don't know why anything around you must touch, 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 touch. One touch. Because something was broken earlier on. Wounds. I remember when I was a little child, just play football a lot. I was not very playful, but I was very excitable. <laughs> okay, playful. Play a lot. When you play a lot, sometimes you fall from a tree. You used to climb trees, run around, play football. So whenever I got injured, whenever we got injured, what we would usually do is that we would try to just cover it up. So that mommy or daddy would not know. Just hide the wound. Just cover it up. And then try not to be around, not to be in circulation. <laughs> that much. But if you're from a Yoruba family, that Latara is where has it been for the last two or three hours? So they're going to come look for you. And then you hide that. But guess what happens after a while? Uh, what's going on? Uh, I'm fine, man. Everything is. You're not fine. What's going on? Don't worry, mommy. We're trying to hide it until it affects the way we walk. The same thing with soul wounds. When we hide it after a while, it affects the way we walk. So Paul says, walk circumspectly, not as fools. Because something you are covering up will soon start covering you up. And it's not your fault that you fell. Somebody say, it's not my fault that I fell. <laughs> say louder, say, it's not my fault that I fell. Some of us fell into all kinds of things. We fell into images that we ought not to have fallen into. We fell into families we ought not to have fallen into. We fell into scams. What has made us financially lame, what has made us risk averse, is that we fell into an investment that stripped our souls of every kind of aspiration and inspiration. And we said to ourselves, I will never invest in anything again in my life. Mephibosheth fell and unfortunately the fall was so bad that he became lame. Many of us were not physically lame. There's nobody in this room that is physically lame. But there are many people that are emotionally lame. What does that look like? Emotional lameness means that once you are in a state, you can't move yourself out of it. Because lameness means you have to rely on somebody. Oh, come on now. To carry you. Who's strong enough to lift me? Who's strong enough to lift me? Who's strong enough to lift me and keep me carried for a while? <laughs> Make you no know, carry me go I don't know. Lame. Emotionally lame. <laughs> PLT be like, Peter's have about two people. That's like, that's my investment there. You have to put me on your back. So once we're in a mood, we are so moody, even though we're not DL. We don't even have mood swings. We're just mood. Even though our name's not my mood. Once you're in that depressive state, you just can't lift yourself. You are lame. Something is fractured somewhere. Once you are angry, I'm angry at the Chris, at the Chris, oh. <laughs> Nobody say at the praise, not Chris, at the Chris. 
You know the, the real song they say, nobody say I they praise, not praise I they, but for some people, nobody say I they praise, not praise I they. You have to break everything before the anger dissipates. Once people hurt you in a way, you stay there. On and on and on. You are lame. Please carry me. Don't stay my white. <laughs> no. What you do? I'm having to depend. I'm having, having to depend on him for my mobility. Something that happened in childhood is still making me childish in adulthood. I still cry when I don't have food. I still cry when I'm irritated. I throw tantrums even before God. Lame. Lame. And I put a B on my lame. I blame. Lame. Almost everybody is lame in an area until they are healed. Excessive need for validation, affirmation. Did you see my hair? Oh, no, I didn't. Oh, I'm sad. I'm depressed. Lame. How come nobody clapped for me? The way I jumped on the bus. Lame. And everybody's lame in a way or the other until we are healed. Listen to what happens so you can drop me now. If I can have my can I have my illustration? Can I have my, my books? When we are born, this is what happens to us. When we are born, come help me. When we are born, I need somebody else to come and help us, right? This is what happens when we're born. We're like this blank sheet of paper. Blank. Innocent. Untainted. It's like a fresh computer without programs. And because we're open, guess what happens? We're available for impressions. So we start labeling children from when they are born. Ah, Imu Baba Eloni. Immunity. He has his father's nose. Mm, this one, see, I'm angry like a mother. We're putting all those impressions and labels on them, little child. So guess what happens? Just write in different ways. When we're exposed at home, things are written on us. When we go to school, things are written on us. Every interface of communication leaves an impression on you. That's why the Bible says evil company corrupts 
You be like, mm, it's not affecting me. It's seeping in your soul. You cannot be hearing Shia, 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 Shia all the time and you want to end up like Shia. When you expose yourself, as it depends them, it is with us. Am I the sweet them? As it depends us. You're creating competition in your soul. Are you here? Them go feeling. Are you here or not? So, so they leave an impression on us, and when like this, we become like this. See, see this, guys. Because part of how people label us is that they put the impression that they have of themselves on us. They put some of their own guilt on us. Some of your parents put some of... You see, I was watching, a, 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 I saw a video yesterday by an influencer. A couple hundreds of thousands of followers. She's an influencer. I won't mention her names because some of you will know her. And she said, what she's looking forward to, that she saw a video where somebody was saying, oh, I can't wait to become, to become a mother and have children so we can be tweening and we can have, you know, just look cute and everything. She said she saw the video and she said, ah, that for her, that's not what she's looking forward to. She's looking forward to saying, ah, my daughter, this is the remote beside her, come from upstairs, come and collect this room. Say, the story never ends. You know that story? Where he sent people, she said that's why she's looking forward to being a child. Now, I guess it's a part of it where she's just joking, right? But there's some people that's what they're thinking the same thing their mothers did to them, they want to do to their children. In other words, what you're saying is that you're turning your family into a printing press that produces the book of shame, of disappointment, of abuse, of brokenness of assault. So what happens is for many of us, we now have all these impressions left by the teacher. The teacher said, Coco not head. You can never pass in this. People, you, you thought you were looking fine and pretty and looking so gorgeous and, but nobody thought so. You actually they said, gain some self-awareness and ask people what they think of you. You went to ask them, so what do you think about me? I don't think about you. <laughs> Are you here? You thought you were really, really fine. <laughs> but even if they put you inside a refinery, you won't come out pure. They left a lot of impressions on you. So you know what happens? When we have those impressions that we don't like, do you know what we do? We begin to close up. We begin to close up. And many times we don't close up symmetrically. And that means somebody will say something, will just snap and shut down. We walk out of conversations. Oh, can I talk right now? Without resolutions. We deflect. We avoid. We go into avoidance. We're trying not to talk about the things that are hurting us because we're tired of being rejected on the grounds of the things that we've spoken about that were hurting us. We refuse to volunteer. When we volunteer, we do it haphazardly. We stop committing to anything because we see commitment as suicide. Oh, can we talk now? We end up this way. Pressure. 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 Squeezed. 
squeezed. And then you know what we do? Because after a while, we find people that are nice to us and that they really just try to get us to open up. So maybe he's very nice. You saw him at a party. Hmm, a nice guy. But he's reading you in reverse. You're thinking marriage is thinking better of fornication. Because when you're squeezed, you are sending mixed signals. You speak in tongues, but you are a body. Tongue speaking body. <laughs> now, are you seeing what's going on in the generation? That somebody will tell you they really believe in God. They will put a scripture in their bio. But angels are like, bio, bio, because you are putting a scripture from the spirit realm, but all I see on your page is flesh. Literally. There's something broken. People are wounded. Because if I was raped by a pastor, and the pastor preached the next Sunday, and people said the anointing was there, then maybe I can be sleeping around every other day and God will still accept me because people, are you following what I'm saying? Because people still worship and glorify this pastor and it seems like God is still moving. Brokenness. So after a while we open up but we're not quite smooth, we're not quite straight. So what do we do? We begin to put different elements on it. Well, like maybe, maybe if I put a little powder on it, let me put a little powder on it. Maybe I'm gonna remove this. <laughs> if I, if I can use more makeup, come on now. Maybe I will make up for what is broken on the inside. If I do some liposuction, if I do some boob job. Oh my God. <laughs> maybe what else did they do some frontal augmentation say listen what is missing is not the size in front it's the safe space within so you can get Dr. 9021023456789010 raised to power 6 brackets 10 million and when they cut your butt and put another one on it you still feel like you don't have a sitting in life. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I'm trying to have conversations that people don't seem to be having. And everybody just seems to gloss over and say, everybody is good, don't worry, as long as they believe in Jesus. How about the soul? Jesus said, the thing is, I want to heal the brokenhearted. I don't just want the churches full, I want their hearts filled with my peace, with my joy, with my glory, so that whether they win an award or not, whether they have accolades or not, whether they are millions of followers or not, whether they are endorsement deals or not, they are still fulfilled as my children. Are you hearing that? Put some powder on it, maybe it's gonna help. Makeup, perfume, skincare routine, morning, night, and evening until you're beginning to look like fried plantain. 
I say, okay, maybe. Can, can I get the spray? There's a spray somewhere. The spray. One person can get. Give me the other one. So maybe if I put some sanitizer on it, please hurry, hurry, hurry. If I put some sanitizer, if I can sanitize my soul with some good works. Maybe. Maybe, maybe. Maybe, maybe. maybe. Sanitizer. So, I'm a, I'm a body. And I use my body for my bodies. Then I bring some of the money as prophet's offering. After all, they're not teaching me how to fix this, so I'll fix it my own way. My relationship with God is personal. Listen, you can't walk with Jesus and it's entirely personal. That's why I said, I am the vine, you are the branches. In other words, you must branch out into other relationships in the body of Christ. They'll either refute or attest to the validity of your faith. So maybe, maybe if I put some spray on it. At the end of it, listen to what I've done. I've damaged myself just as much as the person that wrote on me. Because abuse does not come and end with what happened. It comes to install what the enemy is dreaming of and hoping you will cooperate with him to perpetuate. Okay, we'll talk right now. Now, begin to abuse yourself. So I was assaulted, but now I watch porn. I was assaulted, but now I hate myself. I dislike myself. What are some of the things that could have happened to us in childhood? Give me those bullet points very quickly. Things that could have happened to us in childhood. Do we get the point? What Jesus wants to do for us. If any man be in Christ. He's a new creature. All things. Are passed away. Mazi are you traumatizing my papers? All. Yeah let's do fall. All things are passed away and What? Listen, when you said that prayer and received the life of Jesus, God gave you a recreated spirit, but the renewing of your mind will take time. We have to get into your soul. This is the messy work of intimate ministry and discipleship. It's so messy and so deep. Most churches don't do it. Because it requires vulnerability on both the cleaner and the cleanie and the Kleenex. It's messy. Are you here? Some of you had older, older grandparents who were infirmed before they passed on. And you or your brother or sister had to be washing their bodies. Or many of your friends that are jacked by now, they're doing care jobs in the UK. Right? They're having to clean all that funk and all that gunk and all that bush and all that stuff. Two, three times a day. Now, if you're a man doing a, a care job and you're cleaning an eight to nine year old granny, I hope you know that both of you are already scandalized. Do you know? There's a frame of training you must have. 
to not have nightmares when you want to eat amala. Abi. I I I you follow what I'm saying. These are some signs. Some signs of childhood wounds, guilt. So we pray, Jesus took your guilt away. You knew it theoretically, you knew it theoretically, you knew it on paper, you knew it's true. But three days after immersion, four days after that powerful service, that cycle of guilt is there again. Even though you've not done anything wrong, you just feel like God has a long koboko behind your head waiting to wipe it with a rhyme cord. He said, we who are not a people have now been made near. He has drawn us. But you're like, no. What he drew of me, drawn us, is caricature. Carry, catch up. That's all. Guilt. How about fear? Listen. The major fallout of man's sin is fear. Almost every other thing in this world is rooted in fear. Pride is coming from fear that people will take you from granted. Selfishness is coming from fear that you don't have enough later. Mercy is fear that they will repeat the same thing that you give them mercy for. Shame is internal fear that somebody will discover how bad that thing you did really was. Fear. If you were touched, violated, assaulted, you have that fear that every man, particularly the good looking ones, some people, they, they are so scared of me because I've heard people, some people have actually said to he said, you're so charismatic and so good looking. Sometimes you remind me of this pastor that this X, Y, are you hearing that now? So sometimes when people reject you, it's not you they are rejecting. It's an avatar in their minds. That you cannot be this charismatic and be authentic. Your body demons. Are you following this now? People pleasing, big one. Because you were rejected, you now want to go all out and out and out and out to please people and be there for people and just love on people. You just want that over and over and over again. So you bend over backwards and you abuse yourself supporting other people's dreams but you cannot get yours to start. Now I'm not talking about those who are sincerely called to the ministry of helps. There are some people that are helpers. That's what they are. And that's the best thing they can do to support. They're they not supposed to be stage people. It's an underutilization of their investment to be in front. The people who are called to that. But there are others who are not called to that. Who have dreams and visions and drive and passion. And what's holding them is that you want to please everybody but hurt yourself. Shame! How about self-sabotage? Where you are almost going to complete that vision or that dream, but you intentionally stall or stop it. You can't execute because you see execution as execution. You're so scared of the front line now because when you stood in the, on that stage to say, who stole the meat from the cooking pot? Number two stole the meat from the cooking pot. Who me? Yes, you. Couldn't be. Then who? Number seven stole the meat from the cooking pot. 
So when now got to your turn and everybody was already clapping, who's turning Everybody was clapping, clapping. You just forgot what you're supposed to say. Who me? Yes, you. Who me? They thought they thought it was part of the drama. Everyone goes, Who me? Yes, you. Who me? Yes, you. The trauma is that you now associated ovation with distress. So you never want the applause of anybody. And you think you're being self-effacing, but it's rooted in a drama that caused you trauma. Now you say, I don't want to be rich. I just want to be comfortable. It's coming from a place. Me, I don't, I don't like fine girls. Oh, just give me average looking. <laughs> average looking. What a fee in my forfeiture. They have used this nose to blow. Parana. Because the first girl that you're ever like, ah, guy, that babe hot. Oh. You didn't know she was giving to them hot, hot. You now discover that three of your G's were riding on like a G wagon. You said to yourself, never ever, I will marry an ugly woman. The one that when they look at her, they will not look again. <laughs> Are we blessed? Anxiety and nervousness. Patterns of procrastination. Procrastination can be a disease of the soul. Because sometimes the reason we procrastinate is that we are not confident of the outcome. And at other times we are confident of the outcome, but we don't want to deal with the rewards that will come with the outcome. We know that if we finish, we might not like it. That's not confident. That means we're not confident of the outcome. So we try not to finish it. So people say, how far with that thing? I'm working on it. So working on it has become a cave in which you hide. Now, I didn't know all of this before, but as I've grown in God and I began to study this, I saw that the reason I'm able to do a lot of things that many people cannot do is that I've been healed. So I don't procrastinate. Are you following what I'm saying? Yes, I'm not afraid. My life is lit. My life is lit. I'm not ashamed. If I saw a book catch shame for me, sometimes it'd be dams. Why are you dancing like that on stage? Why? Is he a dance? Are you following? When God made man, he made him naked and he was not ashamed. God was saying to man, as you did so, it is well with you. But we lay ourselves like Eliaram. We have all this fur and purr. Big purr. <laughs> I need to land this plane. And I'm just getting started. If you can stay for second service, please, because we'll go get surgical. 
patterns of procrastination. How about coping mechanisms? Addictions are oftentimes medications. Anything you are addicted to is not the problem. It's what you are trying to use to solve the problem. Cooking is not the problem. Porn is not the problem. Eating too much is an addiction. It's not the problem. The problem is that you are trying to use drugs, tramadol, shekwe, shekwe, ecstasy, ecstasy. You're trying to use that to heal or more appropriately suspend the feeling of pain. But it does not deal with it. It's not deal with it. How about feeling left out? To you, everybody's in a clique. I didn't like that church. Everybody's in a clique. Eh? Say everybody's in a clique. You two clique. You're not a mouse, but you can click. And when you double click, you might open a window of opportunity. You just feel left out. Sometimes because people have not embraced you, but many times because people have a story in their heads of I'm left out. Why? Because when you were six, you had that wound on the playground. You told everybody, I'm a bola, I'm a bola. In fact, I'm changing my name to bola and I'm going to live in okay bola. Then you got to the field. Okay, bola is placed in the bottom. <laughs> then you get got to the field and by choosing five aside, they chose everybody but you. They left you aside. Five aside. So you've carried it in your head now and true to form interview. You're about to say, sir, 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 this is now over. This, this is done. You've done your best. We'll get back to you or not. Some people are dealing with wounds. They don't laugh anywhere, not even in Kings. Because one time they laughed the way they really like to laugh. Sir, demon spirits come out of her. Come out. Unclean spirit. Foul. I'm pastor. The presence of God, there is fullness of joy. Where should I laugh if not? How about clinginess? Clinginess. Honey, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Illustrates it. It's too risky in this generation. We're like, I hear no one now. This example is using him for every time. I knew there was more. There's no more. I'm his father in the Lord. Honey, do you love me? Yes, I do. <laughs> but but I just I just but but you are going to leave me. No, I'll never leave you. But you will forsake me. I'll never forsake you. I just I sense it. It's not it's not you are not you are too good to be true. You cannot be true. I had a dream that you left me. But I'm still here. You're not here, it's your body that is here. Your spirit has gone. But I can sense dead. it in my spiritometer that But I'm not dead. Mm, you leave me, so leave me. Listen, people have broken up relationships from the fear. 
of the relationship. People have broken their marriages on an exaggerated version of what's really happened. These are deep issues. You almost did the breakup of the cleanliness part. Beyonce says she almost did this with me. How can you be this good? You cannot be this good. Are you getting the point? You know, because when we're unhealed, everybody who is healed looks suspicious. Why are you so happy? You people in Kings, you are too happy. Why? You know, people have told me that. I say, your, your people are too happy. Say, they're always looking fine. Why? Say, why not? Say, it's what we call Is that what you're looking for? You will never find it in the name of Jesus. Abusive relationships. I was not going to put this as part of the series, but the last series, the last message about three Sundays from now, two Sundays from now, is Dr. Jesus heals from church hurt. I need to preach that. It's almost impossible for you to be integrated in a church, any church, for five years, and somebody in the pew, on the pulpit, or at the door, have not hurt you. We just tell everybody, forgive, forgive, forgive. How? Show me. Some of you have been hurt inside this church. There was a day, I can't remember how long it was, I said, if people have hurt you and, you know, someone, you, you know, can't talk to people. One or two persons came to tell my wife, you hurt me! When? Years ago. So they, they've been good because sometimes people are not pretending because they are liars. They are pretending because pretense is the mechanism they have in place to still be able to function. So when you understand that you will not even criticize every hypocrite because are you getting this? Because sometimes the hypocrisy is what keeps them functional in that space. Because they are not sure that if they come real and raw, you can handle it. And some of us know that's why we don't ask people, how are you? Because if you ask me how I am, I'll tell you what's right. Can you handle it? <laughs> I'm always fine, Shaka, according to my wife. <laughs> Generally, I'm fine. But most people are not fine. When we say, how are you? If they tell you how they are, can you handle it? abusive relationships people have been abused by churches listen and this one people don't talk about a lot many pastors have been abused by their congregants they use the pastor don't support the pastor don't think about the pastor's personal life or health when it's time to give the pastor a gift some people are very resistant stingy tight-fisted and they say, your ministry has blessed me. That's pastoral abuse. I, are you for, can, I, I can, can I teach you the whole counsel? Oh, your ministry has really blessed me. Where is the token of appreciation? Or some people will give the pastor as if they are giving a beggar. So pastors can abuse churches. Churches also abuse pastors. Use up his time, this energy, 
and every congregant treats the pastor like they're the only one <laughs> and when the pastor is not as warm as we try to be in the house they say ah, this pastor doesn't like me he doesn't have anointing anointing is dry after counseling 30 people and preaching 3 hours and sleeping 2 and a half hours are we hearing this now number 12 perfectionism and achievement addiction at some point I had to investigate myself I said am I working so hard because of trauma or am I working so hard because I'm driven and you need to ask yourself because for some of us we failed at a certain point in our lives and we made a decision never ever never have I am I talking to somebody so I asked myself the question why are you so driven I mean somebody had asked me people, people ask me often so I stay investigating who were the trauma points who were the failure points because sometimes failure can be fertilizer right but you need to know that it's not the primary drive otherwise you will drive yourself into the grave and I discovered there were some points I had failed by failure I'm not talking about moral failure or sexual failure academic failure failure to seize opportunities and time so what do you do I'll tell you in the second service you have to reframe that experience not ignore it not deny it if you were molested you were molested right say hey nah imagine I was not mm -mm. that's like putting sanitizer there you were raped you were assaulted you were abused but guess what by his stripes you were also healed I had to reframe it I said no Jesus worked he said I must walk the works of him whilst they sent me while this day for night coming when no man shall be able to walk second service we need to pray for the children so they need to know when I'll be I'll be ready let me show you the four major areas and then I'll go to the text. Four major areas or five major wounds that almost everybody here, media helpers, have faced. Betrayal. Betrayal. This could be in a platonic relationship or a romantic relationship. For many of us, it's first of all, my first wound, my first childhood wound that I'm healed from anyway. And I've told you guys a story, but I didn't know it was a wound. The girl that stole my biscuit from the playground. Who remembers the story? How can I remember something that happened when I was five? I was wounded. So it occurred to me that for a season of my life, I was suspicious of people, not overtly suspicious, right? But I just wasn't sure people were going to be able to handle things. Are you getting that? You know sometimes when you over-supervise people and over-supervise things, it's coming from a place of trauma. You're so controlling. That's because at some point, something you delegated was messed up. It affected you and you said, no, 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 I will never allow people. <laughs> it will never happen again. Some of your bosses have said that. This would never happen in any organization that I run again until he runs it down with us intense control that then becomes overtly manipulative people have unhealed wounds 
CEOs, CFOs, CEOs, people that see holes. They see holes in everything. Your best presentation is still at blame. It's to fault. Nobody's good enough. It's coming from a wound. Betrayal. That girl betrayed me. That was my first, as in life showed me. Listen, it wasn't what they took from you. It's who, where, and when they took it. So it was a biscuit at the time. Maybe, I don't know, 50 cover or something. Over 30 years ago. But I still remember now. That a girl, she's slim. I can't remember her name. And may I not? She was slim. Let me help you hold your biscuits. Mm. I went on the swing. By the time I went, she had swung. My first experience of being betrayed. Betrayal. And you know what happens? It leads to self-betrayal. You begin to sabotage yourself. Some of us rejection, big one in Africa. Big one, big, huge. Rejection. Some of you feel rejected. Feel like I'm not good enough for any man or any woman. Nobody will love me, nobody will accept me. Listen, can, can you lower the volume? I love the tone, but lower the volume. Do you know that many people in the LGBTQ community I sent some of you a video and told you to remind me to show it. Remind me to show it in the second service. LGBT community, they were rejected by men, but accepted, the woman that is, was rejected by a man, but she was accepted by a woman. Sometimes the woman was trying to console and comfort, and she found succor in the bosoms of the woman, and that triggered a sense of safety and security that she had as a child. She felt like a baby, and before she knew what was happening, she was spacing into another woman, my daddy, my daddy. And then she began to, you know, suck and all of that. And it, it didn't happen from a place of I want to be. It happened from a place of comfort, seeking that security. And then be careful where you seek your healing. Because it can take you deeper into trouble. Abandonment. A lot of you listen. If your dad walked away from home. Or your mom walked away from home. Or you were thrown in your uncle's house. Your brother's house. Your sister's house. And your parents traveled abroad. You have abandonment wounds. Because at some point you began to ask. Was I not good enough? What was it about me? That Canada rejected. And all of you went there. Some of you, all your siblings have red passports, blue passports. You is only green passports. The green is not greening. Bala blue. You're like, how come all of you traveled and you left me? Abandonment. And you did not know. Why circles where you were remotely accepted were a big deal to you? You were like, I died there, I died there, and you almost died there. Humiliation leads to self-humiliation. Listen, and I'm not trying to attack anybody in particular, 
but many of you who are good at doing stuff cooking writing programming and stuff and you don't put it in public there's something here you're over analyzing over editing over polishing over refining over reframing over this over that over that because you are not sure it's good enough because you're not sure you're good enough if I put a post that does not engage, it does not affect me. I only wonder, is it algorithmic, is it content-wise, whatever. I see adversity as a learning experience, not a life-threatening experience. But I'm trying to show you the back end. It's not the demon. It's not the devil. Humiliation. Maybe the first time you wrote the poem, the poem was not poeming. Say, so I will never write again. I will lift. Injustice. Violate yourself. Cut yourself. Was dealt with a girl in London. Remarkably gifted, beautiful, great potential. She used to. She, one day she showed me her, her. She rolled her sleeves. She had cut herself. But listen, the Lord is lifting you today. Bible says, and I want to close the service with this, the Bible says that David said, is there anybody left? Is there anybody left of the house of Saul? Is there anybody left? See, David had trauma. I hope you know David had trauma. But David had healed from his trauma. How do I know he had trauma? He said, in sin was I born. Iniquity did my mother conceive me. Which means that there was something shameful around the upbringing of David. That's why when they called the sons, they did not allow him come. That's why when you look through the word, you're going to see that he always looked like an afterthought. But he found his medication in God. He found his healing in God. He found repair in God. He found restoration in God. Is somebody following what I'm saying? And when you are healed, what you are doing is that you are looking from the lens of kindness, not from the lens of condemnation. David had no business showing Saul kindness because Saul traumatized him. How do you resume a job? in a place in our sister and the first day your boss or one of the days the boss brings out AK-47 and shoots you you uh, we came to work and this king had the oil of God on his head he was anointed because what assaults most of us is some of the perpetrators of our assaults are actually anointed so it's a conundrum in your world how can somebody who bears the oil of God want to drain the blood of man Violet. but David was healed you know why people who are not healed they break others they hurt others they condemn others they criticize others they can be anointed but they are destructive they can be gifted but they are demeaning they can be talented but they are like terrorists but he said, I'm healed now. Just like Joseph. Your response when you're healed is kindness. It's kindness. Don't let their brokenness break you. Don't let the need to revenge pull you into the same pit that God has anointed you to pull them out of. 
become a painful but bear the pain. He said he endured the cross. He despised the shame. He endured the cross. He despised. Do you know those five things? Show me those five things. Do you know those five things? Do you know that Jesus, and I'll talk about it in the second service, when we think about Jesus and the suffering, we only think about the physical sufferings of Jesus. But Jesus had emotional sufferings. Isaiah 53, he said he was grieved. He was a man of sorrows. We esteemed him as one who suffered. Jesus' pain on the cross was not only physical, it was emotional. How do I know? Judas betrayed him. Go back to the five. Go back to the five. Five elements. Don't break my flow. Judas betrayed him. That was betrayal. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. That was rejection. When the Pharisees came to take him away, when the Roman soldiers came, everybody left him. That was abandonment. He was stripped naked. His beard was plucked to the Jew. He's shameless for you not to have your beard. That was humiliation. And then the whole of the city and the state, they wrongly incarcerated him. Jesus bore all the five major child wounds the pain you feel from the breakup he felt it the shame you felt from the two-year carryover he felt it when the people left you and they went to London or UK and they left you in the village he felt that too so the sufferings of the Christ were not only the piercing pain of the crown of thorns and the javelin in the side it was also the emotions of seeing the hands he fed nailing his hands to the cross the emotions of all of that Yet, the fleets that bore, that poured from the holes in his body became the fluids that redeemed those who killed him. Some of you need to let certain things out right now. It's a healing service. It's amazing how the church celebrates physical wounds more than, you know, when you have physical wounds, they can replace it, they can do plastic surgery. Emotional wounds, you can be 80. Listen, you can be a billionaire and be wounded. I interface with some significant persons in certain spaces. People are wounded. They need what you carry. There's a difference your phone call makes when you are healed. send you messages at 2 a.m. or 1.30 a.m. Pastor, pray this is what is happening. In this moment, can you give it to Jesus? I wanted to travel down to that classroom where the teacher did what he shouldn't have done to you. I want to travel down to that house where you were slapped for some it was physical abuse that's why you still don't like yourself because you were slapped your head was knocked against the table or for some of you you saw your dad do that to your mom it did something to you it made you hypersensitive or for some of you you are the people that perpetrated that because you were broken yourself you were broken yourself yourself receive the healing streams of God you can give me Isaiah 53 now receive the healing streams of God please don't look at me right now pray or 
I'll pray for somebody. If you don't need it, trust me, from where I stand as a prophet and where I sit as a pastor and teacher, many wounds. And listen, somebody who was whole last year can be wounded this year. You prayed and your dad still died. Your mom still died. You spent money, you spent time and energy, but the deal didn't come through. You give prophets offering, but you are still waiting. It's okay to cry. It's okay to wail. It's okay to weep. Lord, I ask right now about your supernatural spirit. By your supernatural spirit, move in the hearts of your sons and daughters. Heal and deliver. Listen, for many of us, it's not even personal family members. It's Nigeria. Nigeria has traumatized you. Do you know why many people are going into trouble in America? Why people are doing care jobs? Why people are doing drugs? Trauma! Nigeria has abused people. You kill people like chickens or you watch them die every other week. It's traumatizing and you have no idea. Trauma that runs in deep. But there is no place where the blood of Jesus cannot percolate. Where the hand of the Spirit cannot navigate and move. There is no place. If you're not praying for yourself, please pray for somebody. Trying to heal sometimes, that's why you keep shopping and shopping and shopping. You buy this, you buy that, you spend this because you're trying to medicate a gap. You're trying to medicate a gap. Do you know one of the major reasons why there's a lot of drive for fame, 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 fame in this generation? People feel unseen, unheard, unloved personally. So they try to validate themselves with a like or a tweet or a share. Listen, many people here know that the Kardashians are the Kardashians. Broken family. Broken. And almost any other person that comes in that family is broken or lives damaged. The family is broken. And what they've tried to use to fill that brokenness is fame and money and wealth. So you try to use a tape that exposed your shame. You turned it into an industry and you taught a whole generation of people that the way to get validation and to find pseudo healing is if it can be popular enough, you can get away with anything. They need to be healed. I'm just trying to show you the bigger picture. Many of us will begin to investigate and interrogate our aspirations again. Is this aspiration a medication I hope to use to numb my pain? Am I actually ready for a relationship now? Do you know what? When people get married unhealed, they cause the marriage to become sick. Become sick except the other partner is very mature in the things of God and can help them heal. Lord, I feel the glory of God in somebody's heart. I feel the Lord healing 
Lodeba means the place of no pasture. David said, can I get somebody to show favor? The person's name was Ziba. Send Ziba. Ziba means army. Ziba means strong. Ziba means strength. I came with the armies of God. I came with the strength of God to fetch you out of your Lodeba. To come out of the place of no pasture. To come out of the house of Makar. The place of survival. The place of trying to grapple. The place of just getting by. You are out of it. I call you out of it in the name of Jesus. I call you out of it in the name of Jesus. I call you out of that bed. I call you out of that hiding space. I call you out of that depletion. I call you out of that addiction. I call you out in the name of Jesus. You are not leaving dry lands any longer. Thank you, Father. Whew. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we've prayed. The generation is rising on an emerging generation of kings. To join this growing community of kings, visit www.kingdomcentral.org. And send your full name and email address to 0908-123-4566. One more thing. Someone you know needs this. Kindly share this how.